I think kids are so cool. You know, they come up with like the best ideas from lemonade stands to bracelet, you know, making. They're just like creators at heart and nothing deters them. Welcome to This Mom Knows. I'm your host, Jen Yuren. Julie Dixon is our guest today, and she is going to share about the entrepreneurial family. As you'll discover, this is something she knows well. Links to all the resources shared in today's podcast can be found at thismomknows.com slash podcast. Julie Dixon is wife to Brian and mom to three talented kids. She's also a champion of women trying to build an influential home with a strong foundation on biblical truth. As a former classroom teacher, married to an educator turned entrepreneur, teaching and training are at the core of everything that they do. She is margin maker and chief encouragement officer for her family, which are titles that I think every mom should embrace. So welcome, Julie. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Jennifer. Oh, I'm so excited. So why don't you tell us a little bit more than what that bio shared, like maybe where you grew up, how you met Brian, some things like that. Sure, absolutely. So uh, my parents were missionaries in Italy, and uh, I'm the youngest of four children. So I lived my first four years in Italy and then um, moved to Pennsylvania and lived in the Hershey, Pennsylvania area then outside of Philadelphia, Bucks County. And then my last three years of uh, high school were in West Chicago, Illinois. So I kind of bounced around a lot, which made me uh, very aware of feeling included and wanting to be invited and wanting to invite other people in um, who might not feel included. And so that's kind of marked my whole life. Uh, I met Brian in college. So I was a junior in college and he transferred in my junior year as a graduate student in education. And we shared a math for teachers class and we had to pick partners. So I was sitting in front of him. He tapped me on the shoulder for a partner activity and I turned around and he asked me to be his partner. So uh, we got to know each other real fast from math class and uh, that's how we met. Oh, and you had no idea what a loaded question that really was. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So did you learn Italian? Only I was uh, four when we left. So I learned all the commands that you would tell a child up to four, like come here, drop that, stop that, (laughs) all of that. But my um, siblings and my parents speak fluent Italian. Okay. Well, that's cool. Oh, well, that's fun. Um, I'm in the Chicago area. So so you were close to me when you were in West Chicago. But you mean true West Chicago, not the western part of the city, right? Correct. Okay. Yes. Right outside Wheaton, Illinois. Yes. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit more today about um, entrepreneurship in the home because you're in a really unique family and we'll get to that um, a little bit with your kids. But right now, let's talk about kind of how you're not a mompreneur in the traditional sense, but you're married to a serial entrepreneur and you have kids who are getting into the action and you're heavily involved in all those things. Um, But it wasn't always that way. 
when you were first married, um, I believe you and Brian both had regular jobs. So mm -hmm. what was it that began to shift away from a job to creating and building these businesses and trying new things? Yes. So I was a classroom teacher for eight and a half years. I taught third and fifth grade. Absolutely loved it. And uh, Brian, he also taught in the classroom and then went into administration, higher education. Uh, but before I met Brian, uh, he had been in a band uh, when he lived in Canada. He had created a solo album and we realized that he was in marketing and sales at that point. He was on the phones, pre-internet, uh, calling to book gigs to sell the music. And uh, so he had that in him before I even met him. I am much more of a like safe, predictable, systematic person. Uh, so I didn't think that way. But when we lived in San Diego, where we were teachers and doing our graduate work, the cost of living was so high, we did have to come up with some like side gigs mm -hmm. to uh, pay for our, our uh, education. And so um, I tutored, I taught summer camps, Brian sold books on Amazon mm -hmm. while we were teaching and doing graduate work. And uh, he would listen to um, all these like productivity gurus. Uh, he was getting into podcasts. He listened to Jim Rohn and Tony Robbins and Zig Ziglar. And then he learned about um, Dan Miller and uh, learned so much through these virtual mentors on business. Uh, we actually, Brian and I, we created a DVD for parents to help them with internet safety, educating them on it and giving them, um, equip, equipping them really uh, to help keep their kids safe online. So that took us to churches where we would speak and encourage families and sell these DVDs. I hope you don't look, go find it because it's so ancient <laughs> now, but um, everyone has to start somewhere, right? Everyone starts somewhere. And so uh, Brian kind of dragged me into this world because that's not my natural comfort zone. Mm -hmm. um, I like, I was fine being in the classroom and just continuing that way. But as he was listening to all these different mentors, I was kind of getting in, like being audited. I was auditing their, their things too. And I was learning to think a little bit differently. Well, I got pregnant with our first and uh, we, Brian was given a job opportunity to start a school in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And the cost of living was less. And we decided let's go there. Um, it was a great opportunity for him. And I always knew when our kids were little, I wanted to stay home with them. Mm -hmm. So this allowed me to do that. And uh, in the process of him starting the school, it was a charter school. He realized how much marketing goes into that type of job. He had to convince parents to send their kids to a school that never existed before uh, with a very interesting model as a project-based model that was not being done in that area. And so he <clears throat> learned to do Facebook ads and had parent events and on and on and on and realized there weren't a lot of resources for school leaders like himself uh, to recruit and bring uh, kids to the school. And so he actually wrote a book on it as well to help other people. But um, all of this was going on and he re realized he had a real knack with sales and marketing. 
So he continued to go to these different conferences uh, to learn about it while he was also a school leader. And there was a point that in our life where uh, my mom started to uh, deal with some really severe health issues. Mm. And so we started thinking, how can we get to be near my family who was in South Carolina at the time and we were in Louisiana? Okay. And so that began that journey of how can we pivot uh, so we can be closer to family? And that's what led to jumping into entrepreneurship. Okay. So really, it sounds like it was you all decided we want to stop trading our time for money and we want to start controlling our time while still making money. Correct. Okay. So you're pregnant at this point. Um, I'm assuming maybe before the move, the baby had been born. Yeah. Um and so did you just jump in with both feet and say, okay, I'm in and I'm not going to work and you've got to, it's make it or break it? Uh, well, so when we had our first, he was getting two paychecks a month, you know, everything was covered. So it was very, a, a real easy transition in terms of security for me. Uh, we, we reduced our cost of living. We lived in a real small place in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and it was great. Like we just had a fine life. Um, and when we pivoted though, to entrepreneurship, we then had two kids, four okay. and a one-year-old. And two years after that, a third one came along. Uh, so we were in a season of really like hands-on parenting, physically, mentally demanding. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I needed to have some buffer, some margin. So we had three months savings and he had two contracts when we moved to uh, North Carolina. So I thought, okay, that's good. Well, Jennifer, it doesn't stay that way. No. <laughs> and that money goes fast. Mm -hmm. So uh, the contracts ended. And as much as we wanted to trade time, you know, not trade time for money, right. but trade ideas for money, uh, he was on the hustle bus. Like he was trading time for money constantly, <clears throat> trying to figure out what his next, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, gig would be who would pay him next. And he wasn't really that clear on his audience at that point or his message or his product. So uh, it, I would have the conversation with him. Like we have three months like runway here. <laughs> like if we don't make X amount or we don't get to this point, yes, we need to go back to the job. We need to find a job. And we kept, it kept being three months, three months. Uh, and God would always fill in that gap. We somehow, uh, we would make it work. We would reduce our, our living expenses again. And it wasn't until he started to get residual income from membership sites that we could kind of relax and breathe and get a little bit more creative and a bit, a bit more clear on what he was doing in his business. Mm -hmm. So that took about five years. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that was three months. I mean, I was going to ask you about that too. That feels short to me. That doesn't feel like a lot of buffer. I think some people would say, you know, I need a year's worth of buffer <laughs> or something. So harder people. Yes. <laughs> well, you learned a little bit of that risk taking maybe through auditing his, uh, his books with him. <laughs> I did. And, but here's the thing I knew and you know, not everyone's the same in terms of their, their marriage or their family, but I knew he was created 
for entrepreneurship. I knew he had it in him. Mm -hmm. uh, he worked hard. He was an ideas guy. He loved helping people. And often after he left a conversation with someone, they would just say, oh, I've never thought about doing it that way, or you gave me so much clarity, but we didn't exactly know how to package it. Yeah. Uh, and we knew his natural um, gifts and we knew his um, credentials, you know, his resume. So it was like, how do you figure out? It just took us a while to figure it out. Yes. But he kept going. And I know from watching other people, he couldn't have without you backing him and being supportive and encouraging of it. Cause that, I think that's what stops so many people yes. is home yes. and, you know, responsibility, but it's, it's, it's more than that. It's a bigger conversation. Um, when you have a nine to five job though, there is some semblance of separation of work and home, mm -hmm. but when you're an entrepreneur and I know Brian can be this way, it can be really hard to turn that off. So what do you do? I think this is where your role as uh, chief margin maker comes mm -hmm. in. Uh, what what do you do? What have you done to make sure that um, this new venture didn't become what life rotated around, but you kept your values of, you know, family and faith first? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I don't really know of any entrepreneurs that fully turn it off. Uh, I think of it more like a dial. You turn the volume down and you turn the volume up on a dial in another area of your life. So uh, for us, we had to be really clear and intentional about office hours. Uh, for us, it ended up being pretty traditional just because his clients work on that same time frame from a nine to five. Uh, now, we did try to do like a hard stop at five and do family time from five to eight. And then if he wanted to jump back into doing some work, uh, he would do it. So we just had to come up with some parameters for that. But our greatest challenge, Jennifer, was actually that he was working from home. Mm -hmm. I was home with the, the children and uh, we had accessibility, you know, to each other all yes. day long. And that sounds great in theory, but <laughs> we had to get really clear about honoring each other's uh, time and um, giving each other kind of a heads up. If we wanted to talk about money or calendar or travel, we learned to say, hey, uh, I'd love to talk to you about this. Do you have five minutes now or can we schedule that in like 10 minutes or tomorrow? So we just had to learn how to communicate about uh you know, honoring and protecting each other's time. And I would say um, that's important to the spouse because mm -hmm. even though they're not maybe getting paid for their work, uh, they've got things that they're doing or planning mm -hmm. in their day. So um, Brian learned to respect that, you know, I might've been in the middle of, of correcting one of our kids when he comes down with this exciting news. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not trying to be rude, but uh, I just say, hey, I'd love to hear that and be kind to him, you know, but let me finish this with this child and then I'm all yours. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I get that. And I think a lot of people get that differently because of COVID and everyone shifting to home. Exactly. And uh, seeing that, you know, it's great for a week vacation when you're all together, but uh, not everyone is wired for 
working together, but separate, you know, and, and doing that. So that's, that's really good that you guys recognize that early. Um, do you keep like a running list of things I need to tell Brian when I see him next, you know, so you can. <laughs> yes, sometimes. Yes. And, you know, the second thing that was really a great challenge was our different ways of communicating. We really struggled um, early in our marriage on not the ability to communicate. We're both teachers. We're both good with words and uh, we know how to, to send a clear message. It was that we were not understanding each other's style. Uh, and when we were in those early years of entrepreneurship, you know, we're struggling. We're, we're isolated. Uh, Brian didn't have a community. He didn't have a coach at that time. So he's telling me all his ideas, all his fears, all his wins. And we got to a point where we realized he needed somebody else. Uh, that was like-minded as an entrepreneur to run these thoughts through mm -hmm. and also a coach to help him filter out some of these ideas. Uh, and so not to take, you know, the, the, the responsibility off of me to be a kind uh, listener, right. but we realized um, number one, my natural response, Jennifer, to <laughs> a lot of his ideas is no, or <laughs> Uh, I'll tell you 10 Hold reasons. on. Yeah. 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 Or I'll tell you 10 reasons why that's the worst idea I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so you can hear in my tone right now, you wouldn't want to tell me your ideas. Like I, I'm just so negative. Mm -hmm. And uh, he realized, um, or I, both of us realized he sometimes just needed to share an idea for the fun mental exercise of a vision casting and what could be. Uh, and my natural response is, how do we practically apply this right now? Yes. So what resources would we need? How will this impact my schedule, the, the family dynamic? So for example, he at one point wanted to uh, live stream our family like a YouTube channel. Okay. With a 6'3 uh, and a newborn. And so my response, you know, was... Uh, no, that's so dumb, you know, and these are the reasons why. Yeah. So over the years, we've learned, uh, actually, that's probably not the kindest way, but we need to understand how each other hears something. Mm -hmm. And our number one goal is connection before uh, trying to prove who's right and who's wrong. Yeah. So that has helped over the years. And then in terms of like margin today, uh, we share everything on a Google calendar and uh, I tried to kind of take a bird's eye view of the month. And I know this sounds a little funny, but I kind of try to like feel it out. Mm -hmm. um, kind of, oh, look at all the things the kids are doing after school. Brian's got a trip here. When are we going to be having dinners together? When are we going to have a day that there's just nothing? And uh we create what our priorities are, just like your listeners, you know, if family dinners are a priority, be intentional about that. Or if date nights are a priority or just me time where I can go away. And so Brian knows he's on the clock with the kids. Mm -hmm. um, just we have to be intentional about what fills us up. And then I make sure that the calendar reflects that. Okay. So that's that's margin making. Brian is not good about margin. He, he's just go, go, go. Right. And all the time. Yep. <laughs> all the time. And that in one sense really does fill him up. But 
I can feel and see his um, energy draining before he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really, uh, I enjoy saying like, okay, after this trip or after this webinar or after this product launch, he needs to take half a day on Wednesday just to celebrate the win or read and think. And oftentimes it's in those down times where he gets his best ideas for the next thing. Yeah. So it sounds like you almost did two things through all of this. And one was um, by having him talk to other people, it didn't water down his ideas. When he came to you, you know, this is something that I need to pay attention to because it's, it's made it through all these, these filters and check marks. (laughs) But the other is, is you took your superpower of saying no and you put it in where it really became a a protection and a guard instead of a you know a restriction. Yes, yes. That's excellent. That's great. So now you've kids in the equation and so obviously it's it's healthy for the family that you're serving in this role. Um but I know you encourage them to be entrepreneurial. Was that always sort of part of the plan or did that as they grew just sort of be something you you noticed and decided to integrate? I think kids are so cool. You know, they come up with like the best ideas from lemonade stands to bracelet you know making they're just like creators at heart and nothing deters them. Uh, So our kids have constantly been coming up with creative ideas and your kids probably do as well. Uh, And so as a parent, you just want to say, well, I want to nurture this. I don't want um, them to, to lose this idea that they're, they are a creator. And Mm -hmm. one of our, our philosophies at home is that we want to be creators, not just consumers. Um, How can we add value to other people around us through our gifts, our natural abilities, our personality? And so uh, our oldest uh, during COVID, he was in this little uh, Lego group. It was a text thread. The moms had the text thread. And uh, what the boys would do is uh, one boy would would, uh, announce like a challenge a Lego challenge. And then all the other boys would build something. So for example, like a marble run Mm -hmm. out of Legos. So they would all make their version and then submit it to the text thread. And then they'd vote on each other's and whoever won got to be the one to pick the next category. And so they did this for a couple months and they had fun. And, uh, and then Brian said to Ryland, our oldest, who was 10 at the time, uh, how could we maybe consider making this into a business, taking things that you are good at, that you know, and that you love, and that could uh, solve a problem for other people. And so they got brainstorming and Rylan has great knowledge and love for the Bible and for Legos. And so they came up with this idea that he would rewrite in his own 10 year old language, a Bible story. He would record it on a video and upload it into a uh, on a website, and um, it would be a story that would encourage children to build, recreate the story using Legos. Then the children would submit their builds, they'd vote on each other, and he'd give a gift card, like an Amazon or a Lego gift card, every week to the winner. Mm. So Brian, knowing how to make membership sites, uh, he actually had a team member build it. And uh, Ryland started to learn. He added some text to the website as well. 
And then Brian announced it on its different platforms. Uh, and uh, at the high, height of memberships, Rylan had 28 kids Aww. involved. And so I, I don't even know if they, I think it was like $15 a month, something like that. Uh, and so Rylan started seeing, oh my goodness, this idea that I take one day a week to do, he would write it and record it in a span of two to four hours every Sunday. Okay. Uh, this is actually, you know, creating um, something profitable. I'm making money from this. This is so amazing. So uh, yeah, so that that was really neat for him to see that from idea to actual product and then the kids being really excited about it and especially the parents, the parents were raving about it. Yeah. Uh, so this went on for eight weeks and then uh, a well-known author speaker reached out to Brian and said, hey, we don't know each other, but we have a lot of friends in common. I saw your son's idea through the social media and I actually had a similar idea, but I didn't want to step on your feet. Would you consider us buying it from you? And so uh, we said, well, we'll have to talk to Rylan and see what he thinks. And uh, so long story short, Rylan agreed. He became a 20% owner of the business. And uh, as it stands now, Rylan just flies out twice a year to LA with Brian. I mean, they have such a blast. They're That's a great you know, together. And he uh, records for about four hours a day on camera. Uh, he doesn't have to write anything. Uh, Jefferson Bethke, the, the now owner of Bible Builds, uh, is the one that has created all the new curriculum. And then it goes on a teleprompt and Ryland just reads it. Mm. So uh, that's where it's turned out to be. And Ryland sees a residual check every quarter from mm. this business idea. That's great. And my son is a member of Bible Builds and loves it because he loves Lego. And I see how, you know, he's either going to build Star Wars or he's building the Garden of Eden. Like right. there's no, there's no in between. Right. Yeah. But I love how this has encouraged him to think of detail in his build that he wasn't thinking about before. Um, so it's great. And I will put a link in the show notes to that because it is a great uh, membership. And you know, I mean, Ryland has done at 10, 11 years old what so many adults are still striving to do. So I think that's phenomenal. Does he have any plans for a next thing or is he just enjoying being a kid now with money? <laughs> yeah. So he um, he's still uh, thinking of the next idea, but uh, right now it's more of just how to be wise with the money he's receiving and where to invest, where to save, that type of thing. Yeah. And and here's the thing. I mean, we've all seen how we've had to pivot the whole society to a digital world during COVID. Um, if businesses weren't already there, you know, they were forced to be. Education, conferences, uh, our groceries, all of it is digital. And so as parents, we want to teach our kids to be wise in uh, these different areas of life in in, in money, in time, yeah. in resources. And so Brian being the futurist thinking ahead, uh, I think one way that he wants our kids to be wise is to think how can they use their gifts and their skills in today's culture, in today's world, um, given the resources and tools that we have at our, you know, at our, um, 
you know, to use the way that um, we can. And so since Brian has this knowledge with technology, he can naturally help the kids. Uh, but the kids, you know, they're going to surpass us with digital stuff in, by next year. Yeah. And it's interesting that you all started with this parenting DVD on technology because <laughs> it is everywhere now. And I know even with my, my middle daughter, if she sees me on my phone, I'm on screens. There's, but there's not this distinction naturally built in between creating and consuming. And, you know, I may be listening to a book. I may be responding to an email. Um, but it doesn't matter. I'm on my phone. Right. And so how do you still take this idea that you all started with, with being wise with technology, but now in this world of it's everywhere, still put those boundaries in and teach them to use it and not be used by it? It is. This is a great question. And uh, we have just started talking, Brian and I just started talking about this uh, because the the idea of putting Rylan on his own Instagram has come up with Bible builds because, you know, kids want to see who Rylan Dixon is outside of Bible builds. Yeah. Um, I think that has to be a conversation, you know, in your home with the decision makers. But for me, um, like my natural response again is like, no, you know, <laughs> he's too young. I don't want to, to burden him with this. You know, I know, that, that it is a burden. Like kids are getting 500 text messages from their friends, you know, between eight and 11 at night. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's too much. It's too much in my opinion. Um, so how can we be intentional though about maybe this moment for Ryland right now, for example, this little platform he has, how can we use this for good and to set him up for success? So we've been talking about, um, like more broader and saying like, okay, for college, for example, like you want to show on your resume um, where you've been an activist or where you've been serving or um, your extracurricular things to show that you're a well-rounded person. I think the future is platforms mm -hmm. for a lot of children and your platform is an opportunity to show who you are. So who, who do you want to be? Who, um, who do you believe you're called to be? Um, how do you want to contribute to to the world and to the community? Let's start reflecting that with your platform. So I think that's one way you can really use it for good, but be intentional about what what the purpose is uh, and and how to be wise with your time and your resources. And uh, you know that's ongoing, but yeah, I don't know if that was a clear answer. No, but it's helpful because I think you, you alluded to this idea of we want to be authentically who we are, what we present, and not this made up fake, false um, persona. And I think that's that's a big um, catch. It was interesting the other day, my husband said he, he, was, he has a master's in counseling psychology. And one of the things that we learned about is this age where kids think they have an audience, this invisible audience. But he said, interestingly enough, this is probably the first generation where that audience isn't invisible because of social media. And so it's changing how you parent because yeah. of who you are and where people can see it. So it is an ongoing conversation. It's it's a hard one, but I think that's a, a good key is that authentic 
engagement and not um, pretending to be something you're not. Uh, so we've talked a little bit about your role as chief, you know, as margin maker and chief encouragement officer. Um, how how do you enforce those limits, though, within this world of creativity? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that I think that comes back down to priorities. You know what? For me, it's time budgeting, really, you know, Um, and man, I don't think I have like the right answer, but I just think it's, uh, you know, for your family and your kids, what stage and season they're at, what they need from you, um, where you and your husband are at or your spouse, you know, uh, what you're needing. And a lot of times I ask myself, is this enough? You know, am I doing, you know, is this five minute time on the floor playing Legos with our five-year-old. Is that enough? You know, um, because I, I I don't think we have to spend, you know, hours with every single person, but you, you just have to know what is needed, kind of keep um, a pulse or you're reading the temperature of your family, of your room. And for me, that means um, accessibility. I do, I do want to be available mentally for my family, because I think that you can be fully uh, physically there and completely absent in your mind. It has happened to me um, many times where Brian's saying words and I'm just like, please stop talking. I need to finish my thoughts right. <laughs> or, or our children are doing, you know, mommy. And it goes on and on and on forever. Yeah. Uh, and you're really wanting to give your attention Um, So there are, I think there are some sort of like red flags that I use for when I know I'm too busy or I don't have enough margin. And that's like at five o'clock, if I don't know what's for dinner and there's no food in the house, Mm -hmm. I'm too busy. Yeah. That's usually the the first thing. (laughs) Um, If I'm annoyed that people want to share their heart with me that are in my home, I'm annoyed because I feel like I can't have enough space in my mind. I'm too busy or I need, I need to go do something for myself to fill me up so I can be available. So those are like, you know, little things that are my warning signs. So it sounds like when you know yourself and can, can do what you need to do, then you can be the protector, the margin for everyone else and watch for their, their red flags. Uh, Like you mentioned earlier, you do for Brian saying you're empty and you don't know it yet. (laughs) Yeah. So with Brian, you know, if he starts getting, I can tell when he's not fully, you know, in tune with yeah. the kids or with me. So, um, you know, I can see he's half listening or he's on a screen and he's listening, you yeah. know, um, like at dinner time, it, for me, it's no screens, you know, you leave your phone, uh, unless something's burning down in a business, you know, and right have to be on. But, um, other than that, like that's protected time. Yeah. Um, And for the kids, you know, if they're grumpy, if they're on each other, if they're being disrespectful, you know, if it's once or twice, I'm like, you're a kid, you know, that's normal. But if it's, if it's a pattern, Mm -hmm. then that tells me something else bigger is going on. And it's really hard not to take it personally um, as a mom, I think. Uh, And so um, I've learned that this is really not about me and I need to check in with them. So that might mean a walk with one child or just, hey, I'm going to go to the grocery store or Target. I want you to jump in the car and we just get that one-on-one time. Uh, naturally, 
with the, the rhythm of life. Yes. My, my oldest pretty much told me if I'm hard on you, take it as a compliment. Cause it means I feel safe. <laughs> it's like, wow. okay, good point. <laughs> wow. So wise one. Yes. <laughs> so what is the craziest idea that Brian has ever come up with? Craziest. Oh, how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jennifer. Um, well, something that we've done is we've put a zip line in our basement. That's pretty crazy. That is kind of crazy. Yeah. So <laughs> it's fun, but, but crazy. It was either that or the woods. Um, and we figured we would use it more if it was in the basement. So it's yes. in the basement. <laughs> oh, that's great. An excuse to invite people over. That's right. That's right. Oh, Final well, waiver before you come. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Your homeowner's insurance. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, this has been a great conversation. And as we wrap up, I do want to ask you um, a question I ask everybody. I am a gadget girl. I love tools and systems and anything that'll that'll help me save time. So what is your favorite time-saving tool system or trick? Okay, this is the thing that I have been loving recently is to freeze their sandwiches for lunch. I batch them ahead of time. And I also purchased this Uncrustable Maker on Amazon because two of my kids don't really like all the bread. Uh, so I will make that on Sunday. I'll just make all the sandwiches, you know, five times three, 15 sandwiches. You can put mayonnaise, mustard with your turkey and cheese or Nutella and bananas or peanut butter and jelly and stick it in a little baggie, freeze it. It's done. That's brilliant. And then you don't have to worry about an ice pack in their lunch because it's cold and it'll thaw by lunchtime. Right. Because I find if I'm like rushing around in the morning to get three kids ready. Uh, it's just comical really. If, <laughs> if I'm trying to make their lunch at the same time, it's just one less thing. And, uh, that has saved me a lot of time. That's great. Love it. That's great. And I will, uh, I'll put a link to the uncrustable maker <laughs> in the, the notes as well. And they're so cute. You can get like a heart star, uh, Mickey Mouse ears. Like oh, they fun. have so many fun things for your kids. Oh, so fun. Well, Julie, if people wanted to connect with you, how would they find you? Uh, so you can find me on Instagram at Julie B. Dixon. Excellent. Well, thanks so much. I enjoyed our time and I really appreciate you being here. Thanks, Jennifer. Thanks for joining me today. Did you notice that much of what Julie talked about is a balance between understanding yourself and seeing things in others they may not yet see themselves? I couldn't love this more. One of the great benefits of coaching conversations is having someone able to see things in you that you may not be able to see in yourself, and then using that knowledge to move forward as a mompreneur. Does that sound good? Well, that's what I'll be offering. So head on over to thismomknows.com and get onto the coaching waitlist so you don't miss out.